0: Let's uh, kick off by all joining together and praying. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock. You are our loving redeemer. Amen. So the book of Ruth feels different from all the other books of the Bible. I'm not really sure if it's the plot of this book that kind of plays out like a modern day movie. Or if it's these really unique characters and the character development that starts from their first introductions and then you see them as they change all the way to the end of the book. It might be the emotions that you feel as you read through the book and you listen to these characters and you listen to this amazing story that's going on. It, uh, it might also be that these people, they come across as just real people real stories real struggles real ups and downs and the book actually ends with a real happy ending i think there's a lot of reasons why this book of ruth stands out from all the rest of the bible but maybe here's a simple way that's going to stick in your mind that you can remember the book of ruth and what the book of ruth is all about here's a way to summarize it the book of ruth is a love story absolutely and completely a love story from the beginning to the end all four chapters of this you're going to find that the theme of love connects all the people all the emotions all the plot details all of it love is what the book of ruth is all about but do you know what's interesting that the book of ruth which is named ruth doesn't start with the character of Ruth. It starts way before Ruth is ever around. There was this family that lived in the Old Testament times, and it was a pretty awesome little family. The husband's name was Elimelech. He had a wife whose name was Naomi. They had two sons, Malon and Killian, and it looked like life was pretty good until this story starts and we see the first dip coming, because there is a severe famine in the land. So bad that nothing is growing, there's no food, and they're left with just a choice of what to do. So this is where we see the first little action of love. It was love for their family that drove them to leave their home, the place that they knew, the place where they were comfortable to go to a foreign land and live as foreigners in a new country. But the dip kind of continues to go down further for these people because life in Moab, that new country, doesn't end up much better for them. Because in just three verses we're told that Elimelech, the husband, the dad of the family, he dies. The two sons end up meeting wives, one of them is Ruth, and they live okay, but then still one verse later, the two sons, they die. So in three verses, you go from this awesome family that has what they need to three people are dead. Now it's three widows, and they're just left with questions of how in the world are we going to live anymore? With tears in their eyes, Naomi, the mom, tries to convince her two daughters-in-law, it's time to go back home for me. You guys stay here. You meet new husbands. You have new lives. You live in the land that you know. Stay here and start on that new life. Start and and life is going to start getting better for you. And with tears in her eyes, Naomi admits that her life has gone down, that it feels like God has made her life bitter, and she complains about this bitterness that's going on. And one of the daughters eventually says yes, and one of the daughters goes home. And now finally, at this point in the book and in the story, finally the main character of Ruth shows up. And we get to find out about Ruth and who she is and what she believes. She gives this absolutely awesome speech about why she is going to be with Naomi. She says the only thing that's ever going to separate her and her mother-in-law is death. Nothing else is going to send them apart. There's no other reason that she would leave. So you see love. This kind of love that Ruth shows for her mother-in-law is this once-in-a-lifetime kind of love that's absolutely willing to sacrifice everything just for somebody else. We find out a lot about Ruth. And I think we find out even more about what is not in this story. It's just amazing. You don't hear Ruth having any second thoughts. You don't hear regrets about Ruth's decision. Because life for Ruth, it's here. It's only going to get worse for her by choosing love for her mother-in-law. We got to go back. This is not our country. This is not our culture. But back then, for them, at their time, single women really had no way of providing for themselves. They couldn't really own land. They couldn't really have jobs. Even if it was just because their husbands had died and they were widows, basically the only life that they had now was just a life begging for other people's charity and choosing to go back with Naomi meant that the most likely thing that was going to happen for the two of them was that they were slowly going to starve to death because eventually people's charity for them was just going to run out. That's the choice that Ruth made. That's where love drove her to go, down and down and down into a life that doesn't look so great. And Ruth knows all of this is true. Ruth understands this decision, but it's love for Naomi, her mother-in-law, that will not let her give up. This is where we picked up. Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and just pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. So Naomi says, okay, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. Summarize all this, it's love. But a good love story is more than just one person showing love, right? So finally... Enter Boaz. Boaz asked the overseer of the harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? This stranger that I've never seen before. The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. He wants to know who she is. And now we get to find out about Boaz and who he is and how he does life. First off, we find out that he is a wealthy, wealthy man because he not only owns the field where all of these crops are grown, he's got tons of workers working for him. But even though there are tons of people working for him, he knows each individual worker personally. Because as soon as he gets there, he sees Naomi and he, or he sees Ruth and he sees, this is a stranger. Who is this woman? And he asks about this unique stranger that's going on. He wants to know what's going on in his workplace. He wants to care about all these things that are going on because he cares about all of it. Boaz is the man who finds out who Ruth is and what she does. And he's the one that gets to decide what happens to her and her mother in law, Naomi, if they're going to keep going on that path toward death or if their life is going to change. It's a pretty big moment in the plot, in the story. You're left here wondering just what is Boaz going to do? Is he going to kick the freeloader off his property? Is he going to shame her for being the foreigner that has nothing? Will he demand something in return for this even tiny share of his crops that he had? We don't know enough about Boaz to know how all of this is going to end and conclude, but I think we can say it doesn't really look great for Ruth and her situation. We know how this story could have ended. We know that it looks like the path could keep going down further because you and I know ourselves— And I think we can admit that we do this all the time. We start to put people into two categories, two groups of people whenever we meet them and interact with them and engage with them. Here's group number one of people, people that can help us in some way. Maybe it's going to be money that they'll be able to provide you with. Maybe it's power and influence and benefiting you in your job. Maybe it's a favor that they're going to pay you back someday and you know you can cash in that favor with them. But people like that who are in category number one that can pay you back, yeah people like that we can help out. And then there's this other group that we have, we have in our heads. People that can't do a thing for us. People who need help. People that might look like a lost cause people who might take and take and take and never give anything back. And that's the second group of people that we have in our heads. And helping those people, yeah, that doesn't happen so often. We're sinners who have this sin-messed-up view of people into different categories, and we end up too often only caring about the people that are going to be able to help us back. Do you know the story that Jesus told to help us understand about whom we ought to love, about whom we ought to care for? It probably looked like a road like this that Jesus envisioned in this story. So picture this kind of climate, this kind of place. This is what Jesus said. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. You can picture him lying there just on the side of the road on the way to death. A priest, someone who should have been religious, someone who knew what God said, someone who knew what God had done for him, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he helped out and cared for him and loved him. No. The priest passed by on the other side he saw him and got as far away from that man and kept going so to a Levite another person who should have known what God called him to do, who should have known what God had done for him, when he came to the place and saw him, he helped him out and he took care of him and he loved him and he helped no, he too saw the man he passed by on the other side of the road But a Samaritan, a foreigner, someone who had no reason to love this guy, someone who had every reason to walk around this guy and get away from this guy, a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he picked up the man, put him on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him but it wasn't just a one-day thing. The next day, he took out two denarii, two coins, valuable money, and gave them to the innkeeper. And he told the innkeeper, look after him. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Who do you care for? Who do you love? Jesus makes it pretty clear, right? So how you treat somebody who can't do anything back for you, who can't benefit you or help you, that shows a lot about the kind of love that's in your life. For Boaz, it's awesome. He cares. So Boaz says to Ruth, my daughter, not foreigner, not stranger, not low person, he says, my daughter, listen to me don't go and glean in another field don't go away from here stay here with the women who work for me watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow after along with the women i've told the men not to lay a hand on you and whenever you're thirsty go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled ruth knows she can't help at this she bowed down with her face to the ground she asked him Why have I found favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. He found out about her love. He found out about the love story that existed in her life for her mother-in-law. And Boaz cares for her. I mean, he's got no reason to do this. He wasn't expecting anything back in return for this. He loves her with a self-sacrificing kind of love. And because he cares, Naomi and Ruth, instead of being on the path to death, now life gets a little bit better. They're going to have enough to live. And spoiler alert, in case you don't know the book of Ruth, Uh, Boaz and Ruth, they end up getting married in the end of this. Life takes a huge turn and they start this awesome life together of self-sacrificial love, aiming for that and trying to hit that for each other. That's one piece of this love story, that there's a happy ending to this. But did you know it's not even their love that starts with this awesome self-sacrificing thing going on that's the true center of this love story? There's another character, and he shows himself in his care for people. Everything he does comes from the love that he has for people. He's the hidden main character who makes sure that every book of the Bible centers around his love and care. The book of Ruth is all about love, God's love for his people. It's why God set things in motion for Ruth and Boaz to be able to meet that day. It's God's love inside of him that moves Boaz to care about someone who can't help him. God is the one who brings them together and who gives them eventually kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. And did you know this? From this love story and relationship, from this family put together by God's love, What descendant comes into our world? Our Savior, Jesus. This is God's awesome love story to get Jesus here. And now we get to this last little hidden character that comes from the book of Ruth. This is you. This is part of your love story. Because this is one part of a book That's a complete love story of God's love for you in Jesus. This is God's love and care that centers around you. This is what God wants you to know every time you read this book of God's love story. This is why God makes you part of his family in your baptism. This is why when we have Jesus' bread and Jesus' wine, his body and his blood, that he wants to give you forgiveness and remind you of who you are Because God loves and cares for you as an individual. Every part of the Bible, absolutely including Ruth, is a love story. God's love and free and full forgiveness for you in Jesus. I can say this is me. Uh, Not in that there's powers or abilities or anything, but I'm guessing this is probably too uh, for you. Is this how you see your life? Is this how you view yourself as the main character, the superhero, the one who has the powers and the abilities, the one who gets to affect the rest of the world around them, the one who seems to be at the center of all things going on? Uh, We might wish that we've got all the powers and the abilities, but I think for almost all of us, this is the way that we see life, right? We think we're the hero. We think we're the ones at the center of all of it. We think we're the main character. And everything that we think and say and do really often can come from this me-first perspective. Because if you're the hero, then the whole story is really about you. But I saw it on your faces when I put it up there. When we laughed about thinking about how, yeah, we're Superman. No, you know this really well. In this love story, the hero wasn't Ruth. It wasn't Boaz it's not you and me no this hero is someone who sacrifices for strangers this hero is the author of all of this story that he puts together and this is the hero that actually chooses to be the hero this is crazy through you and me he chooses to use us to be the hero for other people It's through you and your care and your love for people that God works to provide and to care for and to love people. So here's the thought habit that I want you to leave this love story today. Here's the thing that should be rolling around in your heads that you can start thinking it through this way, that you care for people and have empathy for people, all people every individual that you meet, every person that you know, because you know the good that the true hero can do through you for each and every person. Ruth's story is, is a whole lot more dramatic and up and down and fascinating details. And you can go and read through the book of Ruth today after this in probably like 10, 15 minutes. You can read through all of it, do it, The details are worth it. You're going to love it. But you got most of it in this sermon. So then after you do that today, now you're free to focus a whole lot more on the love story that God is writing through you and how you care for people and how you engage with people and the good that he promises he's going to work through you. Amen.